0: Does the channel provide value? Focus on the foundation. I am a travel vlogger. It's always about communication. Build those partnerships. What are the problems that you solve for your clients? Just being head on the psychological side of things. Leading an organization. You not only want to survive, but you want to thrive. and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Hey, this is Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, and CEO and founder of JB Commerce, your award-winning affiliate management agency. Today, I have a special guest, the one and only Matt Rick Williams, the affiliate guy. Uh, we will talk. Uh, we talk about so much today, but let me first. I want to tell you about a tool that we have available. Right now, a lot of people are starting at your planning. You're even looking at your affiliate program in Q4, and you're wondering if you have everything set up, and you're probably wondering if you have everything set up to drive incremental revenue. Well, we created a tool that allows you to benchmark yourself against the top affiliate programs out there and find out if your affiliate program is set up. To generate incremental revenue or not and you can go to jebcommerce.com/slash incremental and find that tool It take you about five to seven minutes to fill that out and you get a whole printout in email that tells you where you're doing really well and where you need uh, to improve or opportunities for you to improve so today's guest is Matt McWilliams. Matt and I have known each other for a very long time. We talk about so much today. We talk about uh, uh his his career path, success stories in the space. Uh we talk about your four-sentence emails to affiliates. We talk a lot about if you're an affiliate what what would you want to uh, go through, but also if you want to know how you can increase revenue through your affiliates. It's a really good program. Uh, Really good podcast to listen to. Uh, At the end, the last 10, 15 minutes, Matt and I talk about uh, contests. We talk about communication. He calls it the three C's. He dives into that. A lot of stuff that... Uh, that he and I have been doing uh, for a really long time. Matt is phenomenal at it. It's a great podcast, super entertaining, uh, and you'll love it at the end. And in the show notes, we list how you can get in touch with Matt, how you can learn more. If you're an affiliate and or you're someone who wants to be an affiliate, there's a great podcast for you too. He's got a lot of resources that we share in our show notes as well. So I'm going to shut up and get out of the way so you can listen to my conversation with Matt McWilliams. Welcome to the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. I am super excited to get to talk to you again today. How are you?
1: Dude, I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me, Jamie.
0: Yeah. Where are you in the world right now? In Nashville?
1: I am in Fort Wayne, Indiana.
0: Fort Wayne, Indiana. Now, yeah. were you in Nashville?
1: I, I I lived in Nashville for many years. We've been up here for uh, 10 years, almost over 10 years now. Yeah. Okay. Kind of well, I should get
0: with the times.
1: Yeah, I know. It, it kind of people, I still have a Nashville number and it throws people off like people who knew that I live there. They just assume I'm still there, but yeah, we've been in, in Fort Wayne in the Midwest here for uh, just a little bit over 10 years. And uh, all I can say is it's cold, man. It's, <laughs> it's different. Oh yeah. You have
0: full on winters there.
1: Uh, very much so. Yeah. This, this past winter was like the first winter where we didn't uh, go South for um you know, for like the month of January. Yeah, and it yeah. turned out to be just brutal here with just <sighs> epic snow. Like I think, I think it literally was on the ground the entire month. And oh, I remember man. at the end of the month, like I kind of thought that whole, you know, that seasonal affective disorder, like yeah. true confession, you know, growing up in the South, I'd heard about it and I thought it was kind of one of those things. I'm like, really, that's not like a real thing. That's like, like, that's it's kind of like people are making that up. It's really just an excuse to be lazy in the winter and you know, whatever, like it's not a real thing. And I remember about early February hit and I just, I was in the office one day and I was like, I just, am. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm depressed. Yeah. (laughs) Like I am literally depressed. If we don't get a nice day soon, I'm going to have to leave. Like I'm just going to have to go South right now. And, uh, Thankfully, we had just enough of those, like, you know, it's 41 today and sunny. Woohoo! And I got outside and kind of <laughs> saved myself because it was one of those like stretches where I don't think we left indoors for like a month. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are the worst.
0: <laughs> yeah. Being from the Northeast and now the Northwest. Uh, yeah. I know all too well about that and how legit it is. We actually we are planning to go south uh, twice uh, a year. We have a season here in North Idaho where it's just rainy in the fall and and there's no snow to ski and it's just kind of blah. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go this uh, uh, November and December. I think we're going to be taking our horses down south uh, and possibly going all the way over to Oklahoma uh, during that time. And then that, that January, that's the month, man. That is the month where it's dreary, Um, sometimes there's really good skiing uh, but it can still be pretty early around here so we plan to do that again in January but we did that in April we took three weeks to do a working vacation in California and Oregon and that expanded our spring by a whole month and that made three weeks made the whole difference I, I think we'll carry that like extra three weeks of sun for the whole year
1: yeah. I mean, for me, it it's psychologically like when we go, you know, we go right after the new year. So, um the, you know, crowds are just nothing down in yeah. Florida that time of year because everybody's back in school and stuff. And so we go, you know, we go then and it's about three, three and a half weeks. And it's like we've been through about seven weeks of winter, six, seven weeks of, you know, of cold. And when we come back, I mean, there's only February and March and yeah, I mean, it it can be like, I remember mother's day this year, it was like 38 and rainy, but two (laughs) days before it was 78 and sunny, you know? So there's only like a few more weeks left instead of just like every day feels the same for 18 consecutive weeks. (laughs) It's like, it's just cold and gross and dark. It's like, okay, when we come back, we're like, there's, there's six to eight weeks left. I, I can do that. I can push through six to eight weeks, but yeah, this was, uh, this was brutal. So that was kind of one of my deals. Like we will move North. We'll be near your family, sweetheart. I just have to leave for at least a few weeks in the middle of winter.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and, and that whole thing of knowing that something's coming later, we used to, or there's been studies that show with travel uh, specifically, if you plan something a year ahead, yep. just, you know, the, the value of that trip is during the time you're there, but that whole year of anticipation, And uh, so I've wondered, you know, what's that been like for everyone in, in COVID and and that travel not being uh, there now being open, it's going to go crazy.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even like the, the, with COVID, I mean, one thing's psychologically that I, I don't have any documentation on this, but just knowing the psychology of anticipation, I was a psych major in college and, and I remember specifically like the, the best part about Christmas for kids is not Christmas day. It's the yeah. months leading up to it. It's the, if he, our son's already thinking about his birthday and it's, I mean, it's six, you know, wait, no, 10 weeks away. You know, this is the best time for, about his birthday. And with COVID, because everything kind of like every day kind of just felt like the day before for a lot of people, like we're in Indiana, you're in Idaho, but let's be honest, it was pretty open in both places. Like we kind of, yeah. it wasn't like that for us, but for a lot of people, tomorrow was going to feel like today. And people lost that anticipation, like in the, the, we're looking forward to Christmas because we get to see family. It's like, no, we're not, you know? No, we're not. Um, Yeah. So for a lot of people, I could see that being uh, a source of, of deep depression and, and um, you know, it's psychologically draining for there not to be that anticipation, whatever that anticipation is, whether it be vacation, uh, you know, seeing family. Sometimes it's like, I know for me, it, it sounds weird, but like, you know, the best part of like date night with my wife and and she would probably agree is, is the planning of it. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. the thinking about how awesome it's going to be to go to Ruth's Chris. And, and, you know, truth be told, like, yes, we have great conversation. We love, you know, having time together, but the meals are never as good anywhere yeah. we go as we anticipate them being. <laughs> That's true. It's rare. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. You said something there that really stuck out, you know, tomorrow's going to look just like today. Mm-hmm. Uh, never heard it put that way. That could be that could be really difficult. And like you said, it was pretty open here. We didn't really have to worry about that. But yeah. I know millions uh, weren't. Was there anything, you've worked remotely for, uh, you know, for, or from a home office for quite a long time.
1: 10 years. Was there any,
0: yeah, 10 years. So anything changed during COVID now as we're opening? Is anything still changing?
1: Uh I, I hate to say this. I mean, it makes me sound like the worst person on earth. I'm, And I'm not bragging when I say this. I'm actually saying it from a place of being super thankful. Uh, the gratitude I have for the fact that my life, other than about a two week stretch there, kind of right after things locked down and we were kind of figuring out, okay, you know, like we're not having soccer, you know, for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, other than that, life was pretty normal. The only thing that changed was for about two months there, we went on a lot more hikes and it was kind of one of those things like we couldn't go to stores and we couldn't do, and the weather was okay. You know, it was like kind of like mid fifties, you know, in March and early April. And so we went on a lot of hikes and we actually, we went to places we'd never been. Uh, we went to this beautiful, like Fox Island here in Fort Wayne. I mean, it's like you go out to Fox Island, you're, you're like six minutes from the mall no exaggeration, maybe 10. And yet it wow. feels like you're in the middle of absolute nowhere and there's hills, which we don't have a lot of in Northern Indiana for the record. You know, there's these huge hills, like a gla- It's like formed by a glacier from like 10,000 years ago. Right. And it's just, it's beautiful. And there's nature and there's just all this stuff. So we would go on these like epic hikes and we would go down to Turkey run state park and we'd spend like, we go on like an eight hour hike, you know? And it was really cool to do that. That was like the weird thing that changed for us. So we did a lot more of that. Um, but yeah, working from home and homeschooling already, the reality is the only two things that changed was we didn't travel, um, like, you know, extensively and, um, soccer was delayed by a month, you know, for our kids. So like, other than yeah. that, uh, and we didn't eat out for a couple of months, you know, until things opened back up here. Other than that, everything was pretty normal, thankfully. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. There was not, there was not an adjustment for us and, you know, business took off because, you know, we teach online marketing. So, uh, people were kind of getting into that whole thing. And, you know, that's the thing about working from home when you haven't is one of the things that we've, I know, you know, anecdotally, and we know this with schooling, um, when you homeschool, you can get what takes, uh, the school system seven hours done in about four you know, three and a half or four. And it's not necessarily homeschool too. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because my wife's a better teacher than, you know, the public school teachers. That's not it necessarily. Um, that's debatable of course, but you know, whatever. Um, it's that we're like so focused and there's not a lot of distraction. And the reality is again, you know, I'm I'm thankful for this. I wish I had grown up being homeschooled by my wife. That would have been weird. Um, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) kind of creepy and I don't even get into that but like that only happens in Kentucky. Right. Um, and so <laughs> for all our Kentucky listeners that, yeah. that
0: view was just Matt.
1: Yeah, I know. I figured you yeah, So I was going to say that I claim that not you, uh, don't worry. There's only like three of them that have internet. So, um, also just mine there. We could just keep that going for a while, but, um, I mean, any other states you want me to insult real quick while we're at it? (laughs) No,
0: but like, no, I think if we just keep it to Kentucky, that'd be fine. We'll
1: we'll keep the borders. We'll close, we'll lock down the borders there. Um, Good. I I have more Kentucky jokes later. Um, And so, in all seriousness, though, like, I, I, yeah, I wish that was me, but like, part of it is like she's focused on our two kids and there's not 28 other kids in the classroom that she has to focus on. So it just moves faster. And one of the things that I think people noticed was like working remotely. And I'm not necessarily an advocate for remote, working remotely or not working remotely. Is I know anecdotally people were like, I normally am in an office from eight thirty to five thirty, you know, nine hours plus the twenty minute commute there and back, so ten hours basically. So they're like, I got my work done in five, five and a half. So they're like, what do I do with those yeah. other, you know, like three? I was like, well, first of all, enjoy family time, you know, enjoy some downtime, go work out, yeah. take up a hobby. I'm like. Start a side hustle. So we had people coming to us and they're like, you know, my kids don't get out of such and such until you know five. And that's normally when I would stop working and it's 215. What do I do? And I'm like, well, how about you spend two and a half hours working on a side hustle? So that was one of the things we saw from our business perspective was just the number of people who were able to do stuff on the side um, and start, you know, mm. kind of getting into entrepreneur world. Um, which was, was super awesome. I and mean, we had some amazing success stories. I mean, literally just people who last March 1st were full-time employed and had no visions of, um, you know, being an entrepreneur whatsoever. Fast forward, you know, a year and two months later and they're running, you know, some of them have gone full-time with their online business, you know, running a, a, a low six wow. figure, you know, some of them are at, you know, 50,000, 60,000. They're about ready to go full-time. So it's, it's pretty cool, you know, um, seeing that. I think that's been one of the big shifts we've seen. And I want to dive
0: into all of that. Let's start at the beginning. I know you and I met. Uh, I remember seeing your name on a, a short list of three affiliate managers up for an award. I yeah. was one of you them. Do you remember the other
1: two names on that by chance? Angel
0: uh, was <laughs> yeah. on there. Yeah. And then me. And then uh, I thought, who's this Matt guy? I need to meet this guy. So if he beats me, I'll be happy for him, <laughs> and I have to reach out. Like, who are you? And I, because I really thought, like, I wanted that award so bad. And I thought if I don't know who else is up for it, and I lose, I'm just going to be pissed off. So let me reach out. And turned out, you know, you're 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 a great guy. Definitely deserved uh, the award, and and we've known each other ever since. And and that was a quite a long time ago, but tell me, how did you get your start? Where, where's, what's the origin story of Matt?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, so growing up, I mean, I always knew Jamie that I would be a professional golfer. Um, that was, that was what I was going to do. It's what I lived for. Um, you know, I, my, my entire life revolved around it and, and actually got pretty good. I mean, I played golf at the university of Tennessee. Um, you know, it was, at one point I was ranked as high as 14th in the country and, you know, division one golf. So I, mean, I was, I wasn't, it wasn't like it was a pipe dream. You know, I was, I was pretty darn good. And, uh, but growing up, I remember specifically, I had a friend of mine, Hunter, we grew up always talking about how like we were going to play and we were never, ever, ever going to be one of those guys who, you know, grew up playing junior golf, went to college and then couldn't make it. And we ended up teaching old ladies in purple sweaters, how to play golf. So yeah, I left, man. I left college. I had, uh, my, my first tournament, first round of my freshman year, I injured my left wrist and it never healed properly. And I ended up with these two bones out of alignment oh, man! and it was really, really causing some issues. Um, like throughout really my entire left side of my body up into my neck, even. So I played professionally for about a year and a half. And finally I, they figured out what was wrong. Um, and the guy was like, you're going to need surgery. You're going to be out for about you know 18 months. I'm like, I'm actually not, I don't really want to do that. Um, uh, I just, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have certain, like, is there another option? He's like, yeah, don't play as much golf. You know, I'm like, okay, well that means I'm not going to play professionally because you can't just practice like once a week and, <laughs> you know, and play professional golf. And yeah. my game was oh, really yeah. suffering because I wasn't playing enough. And, um, so I started teaching these golf schools with my dad. And I heard about this website back in 2002. It's called google.com. Um, nobody's been to google.com in approximately eight years because uh, you just go up to the bar at the top and type in what you want. But back then, you went to google.com to type in, yeah. or as my mom used to do, you went to google.com to type in yahoo.com and then go to your Yahoo mail. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true story. I still give her crap for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like mom, oh well. Geez. At least back when I started,
0: I went to AOL. AOL then, was the yeah, internet yeah, yeah. at that point.
1: So I heard about this website called Google, where you could bid on these things called keywords, and for ten cents a click, I could get people to come to my website. Uh, but with these golf schools that my dad and I taught, now to give you some perspective, we were averaging about two students a weekend. Uh, they each pay between two and three thousand dollars, about average about twenty five hundred. That was great. You know, I'd make $2,500 in a weekend. That's not bad when you're 22 years old um, teaching these golf schools. But I felt like we Uh, could get more students. And so for 10 cents a click, I would have people come to my website. Now we teach people today. This is something we teach, right? Like my new book is all like, the entire section of the book is about how to grow your email list and stop trying to make, you know, convert people into sales on the first date. You know, like don't ask them to marry you, get, get, you know, nurture yeah. them. Right. And we have them come to our website. We give them a lead magnet you know, and we nurture them through our email list. But back then you came to my website and you did one of two things. You either gave me two to $3,000 or you left. Well, I converted a half percent of traffic. Well, you can do the math. I'm spending like 30 bucks to acquire a $2,500 customer. And I never forget. Um, one day we had an ice storm in North Carolina in the, it was late in the, late in the year too. It was like early March, which is really late to have one of these. So spring's coming up and that was our big time. Like from about the next week through now, you know, like mid June or so was like the really big push for these golf schools. And I'm sitting there, don't judge me, but I'm watching an Allie McBeal marathon, um, (laughs) all day long. I lived with my mom.
0: (laughs) I'll try Um, hard not to. Yeah. Well, you
1: know. (laughs) it was a Kentucky thing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) While I've already dug the hole with the Kentuckians, I might as well just keep digging. And so I'm watching the talent just keep grabbing the shovel. Yeah. And I, and I had this thing set up where it would make a ding every time we had a sale, like 10 o'clock in the morning. I hear ding and I'm going, man, I'm sitting here in an ice storm. I just made 2,500 bucks. I haven't even looked at my computer today, but another hour goes by ding, like two hours, ding, three hours later, ding, Hmm. long story short, I sat there watching Allie McBeal all day long, Jamie. And my dad and I 50, 50 split (laughs) between the two of us on this one day made almost $20,000. And I'm like, there's, there might be something to this, you know, like we'd already done pretty well. So I'm teaching these golf schools. Now we have eight to 10 students per weekend, you know, 15 to 20 grand split between the two of us for a Friday through Sunday Plus our other stuff, like I'm 22 years old. I don't know what to do with that kind of money. I'm paying my mom 200, 300 bucks a month in rent. Like I yeah. have no expenses. And I just yeah. remember thinking, okay, this this is kind of cool. There was only one problem though. I had to teach these people how to play golf. And I really didn't want to teach anyone yeah. how to play golf. I hated teaching golf. So sure enough, one day about, you know, half a million dollars into this. Well, video, How many
0: uh, old ladies in purple sweaters oh, did you have? Well,
1: this is where we're going with this. Sure enough, one day, this old lady, 75-year-old woman in a lavender sweater, walks up. And poor woman, I mean, she was the sweetest lady in the world, but I did not want to teach her how to play golf. And so I pull out my little flip phone. It's like the original flip phone that had the camera, it was like 0.2 megapixels, right? You know. And uh, you know, if you were Uh if you were any more than two feet away, you couldn't tell if it was an amoeba or a person. And I flip this thing open and I take a picture. (laughs) I remember those days. I send it to my friend Hunter, the one we swore would never teach old lady in purple sweaters how to play golf. And if you're an old lady in a purple sweater, well, hopefully you live in Kentucky because I've already offended you and I can't I get worse. <laughs> and so I take this and I send, I send it to him and I say, kill me now. And now a good female friend, you may or may not know this, Jamie, but if you can imagine, you know, your wife or somebody, you know, is like a really good friend that's female. They would, they would immediately call you and say, oh honey, I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do for you? Can I make you dinner? Can I bring you a casserole? Can I come over and talk to you? Do you need me to bring some wine? But like a good male friend, Hunter responds back and says, ha ha sucks to be you. And so I knew then I could not continue to do this. Like I could not continue to teach anyone how to play golf, no matter how much money I was making. And so thankfully my dad fired me, but that was how I got the online marketing bug. That was in 2002 through 2003. I got into this online marketing world, started a company with Hunter. Um, Unfortunately, in the, in the time between when I was teaching these golf schools, 10 cents a click for $2,500. And when we got into the insurance leads business, everyone else discovered this Google.com and the cost of ads skyrocketed. And so now, and I'm in a very competitive niche in insurance. We can't afford to go spend $8 a click for a $12 transaction, you know, converting 50% we're going to lose money. And so we're like, well, we're we're almost out of money. We got to figure out like, how do we, how do we make money? Like, how can we do this profitably? I'm like, well, I heard about these people called affiliates. He's like, what? I'm like, affiliates. He's like, radio stations? Like, what is, you know, what is that? I'm like, no, it's yeah, like yeah. people who market your product. Um, but like, you don't pay them until after you make a sale. <laughs> and we're like, that sounds good because we don't have any money. <laughs> and so we started yeah. this affiliate oh, yeah. program for this insurance leads company. I still remember our first, like, if, if my if my first affiliate called me today, uh his name was Brandon, Brandon Miller. Uh, he's from Western North Carolina. Hey Matt, it's Brandon. And I'm not making fun. I'm from Eastern North Carolina. So I, that's how we sound down there. And, uh, but he'd call it by, Hey Matt, it's Brandon. And in his first month he made like 300 bucks and we had a couple of other like thousand dollar affiliates, $200 affiliates, uh, fast forward about 18 months and we had our first million dollar month and the rest is history.
0: Wow. <laughs> wow. How many months did that take?
1: 18 months, almost to I think it was exactly 18 months from when we started our affiliate program until, so we started that affiliate program. It was Memorial day, 2005, worst Memorial day weekend ever. Like we just had Memorial day here, right? It was awesome, man. I ate some bratwurst. Mm -hmm. I was outside the whole weekend. I got sunburned, you know, it was so, so awesome. That Memorial Day weekend, I spent 18 hours a day, all three days in an office learning how to run an affiliate program. Now, you know this back then, there was like three blog posts in Warrior Forum. There was nothing. There were not courses like ours, or there were not people like you who had blogs. Nobody, like there were not books on this stuff, right? So I'm like, how do you run an affiliate program? like, oh, something about cookies. Apparently, I'm supposed to give our affiliates cookies. So I'm like calling up, you know, (laughs) American Cookie Company. Like, can you say- yeah. Like I'm calling up bakers. Like, I don't know. I'm supposed to send my affiliates cookies. I don't know what that means, but just send them some cookies. And like, I had no idea. And we had, we had to build the tech cause there was no out of the box tech stuff back then. So we custom built yeah, in a yeah. three day weekend, an affiliate platform for our company, uh, with our overseas developers. Wow. And I had to like, I'm like, I'm making everything up. I'm like, well, it's, you know, I have a background in sales and I know marketing. So let's, I don't know, I'll make it up you know, and I kind of like invented a lot of the stuff that I did. Some of the stuff I found out later was truly revolutionary. Some of the stuff, it was stuff that if I just asked somebody, if I knew the right people, they would have told me to do it. Some of the stuff was stupid and turns out you're not supposed to do it, but I didn't know any better (laughs) and I had to learn the hard way, but I kind of just figured it out. And then next thing I know, in January of uh, 2007, we had our first million dollar, you know, month from our affiliate program from a company that as at that Memorial day weekend, that Friday before Memorial day, we had less than $5,000 in the bank. You know, we were going to basically go bankrupt in, in a matter of weeks. Wow. And in fact, that first month we were floating. I mean, I wouldn't have told anybody this and I don't recommend doing this, <laughs> but like when Brandon made the $300, like that, you know, he sent us like $500 and, and, you know, in transactions, um, we spent all $500 of that on payroll <laughs> yeah. and we're really hoping that oh, we'd yeah. get a couple more affiliates to bring in some money to pay him. I mean, it was like a Ponzi yeah. scheme just to be perfect. It's like social security. Okay. <laughs> it was a well, total- Now we call that float. <laughs> yeah, we call that float. Well, that's what we were doing. We were floating. Uh, it was dangerous. <laughs> it had- I couldn't sleep for a few weeks but it was the only thing that saved oh, us. And, um, you know, then look what it led to, you know, about 18 months later. Um, you know, like I said, that, that following year in 2007, uh, you know, we did $12.6 million from our affiliate program. Wow. That so is fantastic. And that,
0: <laughs> that darkness right before the light must've been harrowing.
1: Oh dude, I remember the meeting. I mean, it, like, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember sitting in the office of our CEO Hunter, um, yeah, you know, I remember, I mean, I remember everything about that meeting. I remember where I was sitting, what was happening outside, every car that drove by out the window. And I remember we're like whiteboarding these just inane ideas for like, well, if we do this, we can make like $50 a week. You know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay, that's great. You know, like, and if we, well, if we, I don't know, like if, you know, cause I think we paid for like, I think in our, we had a, a, a small office at the time. Um, I think we paid like $600 a month. I'm like, well, we can cancel that. I'm like, Yippee, <laughs> that'll, $600. Like, I'm like, dude, that'll keep us afloat for like an extra 48 hours. Like we need kind of like bigger yeah. ideas. And, um, I'm telling you, man, like the end of that first, uh, um, the end of the first week, I think we had like five affiliates, um, who were, you know, doing something. I mean, I think they brought in like a thousand dollars, but you take that thousand dollars and combine it with the $4,000 we already had. And now we were down to three, but then the next week, you know, we got a few more affiliates and and the w- other ones kind of ramped up and we made like, I think it was like week three where we made enough to pay our bills from our affiliate program. You know, it was barely enough. Wow. I think we made like $2,400 or whatever, you know? Um, but I mean, it was not only the savior of our business, but it's what allowed us to scale. Um, you know, when, when we, when we had that first million dollar month, we had 52 employees and, you know, on the entire floor of this massive office building. And it was kind of cool, but it really did go back to like, I don't know that we would have done it if we weren't so desperate, you know, like there's something to be said yeah. for that bootstrapping where it's like, we didn't have, you know, oh, we man. didn't have investors. We didn't have a, our top two competitors were both owned. One was owned by a VC. Um, And one was owned by a publicly traded company and we didn't have those. Like we had the money that we had and we'd spent most of it and we were broke and we needed a miracle. And, um, our miracle just happened to be starting an affiliate program.
0: Now what's true about affiliate marketing now that was true when you started that
1: principally everything. I mean, it's still the same basic concept. The concept's been around since Romans, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. um, uh, I, I can't think of any Roman names, but you know, Caiaphas is talking to Sisyphus and he's like, Hey, I know a guy who's got a good deli, come on down. And then like the deli owners like, dude, you know, you're a great, uh, you know, here's money for referring, you know, this guy to me. I mean, Like all we did, all Amazon did in, I don't know, 1995, roughly when they started their associates program or 2000 ish, all they did was add technology to it. And it's literally the yeah, concept yeah, yeah. has been around forever. The principles are still the same. Uh, and the industry really has not changed in a good way. It's not going to change. It's still about yeah. number one relationships. Um, number two, you got to have a good product that converts well. And number three, you yeah. got to take care of your affiliates. Like, and how do you take care of your affiliates? You take care of your affiliates the same way you take care of anyone, you know, you treat them like People. human beings. You, you respond to them, you teach them, you serve them you coach them, you advocate for them. You know I mean? It's like, I think, I think it, I, I wish it was a little bit more complicated, you know, cause we teach yeah. people how to do this and I would love to charge more money. Um, but the reality is <laughs> like the basic principles, once you kind of understand the psychology of it and you understand, you know, a lot of the basics, it's, it's just like, be a good human being, you know, don't, um, don't reach out to people with like, I, I, it drives me nuts. Like we tell our clients, we have a four sentence rule. Um, we will not like, do not ever ask me to send an email that's longer than four sentences, you know, on a cold reach out to a prospective affiliate. Why? Cause nobody reads those. I want to start a conversation. Yeah. I don't want them to respond back and say, yes, I want to be a part of your affiliate program. I just want them to respond back and say, sounds interesting. Could you tell me more? You know, and like if somebody sends you a nine paragraph, 2000 word email that you don't even know, and it's got like attachments, what do you do with it? You delete it, you toss it. <laughs> and so you say, Good you know, Lord, I'm getting yeah. rid of this. And so, like, I don't know, it's just, I wish that there was a little bit more complication to it sometimes, but the reality is the principles are so simplistic, you know, like just. Uh, I, I'm always, always, always asking myself. We were just going through this yesterday as a team, with like literally just a sign-up form for a client, and the client's in the legal profession. So of course we were having a battle about well, I want the sign-up form to be shorter, and he's like, "What I need it to be longer," yeah. and I'm like, "Yeah, okay." Constant battle. I, I, I can only ask the question: If I'm an affiliate, what would I want? And so finally, we arrived at a compromise. On your website, when people are coming to you, make it as long as you want. I really don't give a flip, you know, make it complicated because you do kind of need a vetting process on those people when they're coming out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. But on the ones that I reach out to on your behalf, um, I need it to be super short. You know, I need it to be like because if I'm reaching out to you and saying, "Hey, do you want to be an affiliate? This product's amazing. You should promote it," and then I send you to a freaking application that takes you 11 minutes, you're like, "Dude, what the heck?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. You reached out. You to reached me. out to me. Yeah. You know, and so I got them to, you know, and they were totally cool. Like they got it as soon as I said that. They're like, "Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Let's do that." You know, um, and so yeah, but it's like those are kind of the principles, right? Like always ask yourself the question. Um, what if I was an affiliate? So I'll shut up in a second, Jamie, but I just want to say this, like for me, it all shifted. And I, like, I had already been, you know, affiliate manager of the year and won all the awards and all that stuff. Right. I, d- I don't believe I became an elite affiliate manager, like really good. Like where I could honestly say, yeah, I'm one of the best until I had been an affiliate for a couple of years until I had been promoting things because it was the first time I looked at it and said okay it's not what's in it for me as the business owner or the affiliate manager for our company or you know or for our clients but I I now everything goes through that filter of okay if I were an affiliate, what would I want And it just it made everything like a million times better
0: yeah and you know we just had Joe Souza on uh, the podcast and that was a big thread through the conversation of his experience with over a decade of being an affiliate and how that made him a a better affiliate manager. So definitely that that's gold. And you don't ever have to shut up. Uh, We don't record on tape anymore. So we can talk as long as you want.
1: Let's talk about Kentucky real quick.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I only know one person, two people in Kentucky. I don't have a whole lot to say. And I would like to be invited to their Kentucky Derby party. So I'm going to let you bash on, on that state.
1: So uh, so, so on that note, you know the best thing to ever come out of Kentucky, right? What? I-65 South.
0: <laughs> I don't even know where that is, and I get the joke. Uh, sorry, Kentucky. I, I, we still love you. So you're listening. We love you. Uh, well, Matt, so after that business, you went to legacy learning
1: mm-hmm.
0: and tell me about how, how do you make the decision to move on in your career? And, and then what was that like at legacy?
1: Uh, the decision was made for me. Um, you know, ah, my business partner I've had I, a few of those. Yeah. Business partners and I just did not see eye to eye. Uh, there were some fundamental disagreements about kind of the next, the, the course that we were charting. And, uh, and we, we had entered a little bit of a, of a downturn due to some, uh, really bad business decisions that I was a part of, you know, to be perfectly honest. And so it mm-hmm. kind of just made sense. Like now was the time to, um, now was the time to, to move on to something else. And so they fired me, um, <laughs> you know, and I was, su- again, it was one of those things like I was super thankful for, because it was the, it was just like my dad firing me, you know, before it was one of the best things to ever happen to me. Um, and so the, the CEO and I were still really good friends. I mean, like two weeks after fired me, I mean, he was best man at my wedding. Um, there were no hard feelings, you know, other than I just really wanted to be a part of, I still wanted to make it work, but there were no hard feelings. And so he referred me to this guy who ran this company called legacy learning systems. And for about five months, I kind of, you know, I, I just, I was newly married and honestly I was tired because I mean, I just come out of, you know, about a three-year startup phase with, with hometown quotes. And I, I kind of wanted some rest, you know, it was actually really yeah. good for me just to, to decompress for a while and enjoy being newly married and, um, and all those things. And, um, I flirted with the idea of going to work for him for a while, but I never really pulled the trigger. And and then I remember, um, I called him up one day. It was the funniest thing. I called him up one day and I was like, I said something and he was like, yeah, you know, actually I, I just got back from I ran the such and such marathon. And I'm like, you, Oh, you're a runner. And I was like, man, I never knew that about you. I was like, I guess I'm going to have to come work for you so I can learn more about you. And he's like, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, you heard what I said. Um, so I started there in 2009, May 15th, 2009. Um, I still remember it was, it was funny. I, uh, I started on a Friday And I'm like, what am I running? A public school? You know, and if you remember that, how you like started school on like a Friday, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing ever. But it gave me one day to just kind of go (laughs) in and get used to the landscape. But I ended up there and it was really cool because it was my first exposure to like retail world. You know, we we sold, yes, we sold uh, learning DVDs. We taught people how to play guitar and drums and ballroom dance, American sign language, painting, piano, among other things. Um, But it was still kind of more like the retail product world um, you know, physical product. And so I had to think about things like cost of goods and shipping when figuring out commissions and all that stuff. And, uh, it was a great experience for me. Um, and, uh, loved it. And I think I ended up there for about 18 months before I went back to, um, to hometown quotes. Um, dude, just, they, they had some issues, you know, like, unfortunately, and it's, I, I, it's one of those things like where I was like, I felt really good. It was kind of cool to be able to be like, Oh, they need me so much. But I also kind of felt bad for, you know, Hunter, uh, because when I left the affiliate program went to total poop. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I came back and, um, I was there for about eight months and, uh, uh, just one thing after another, um, without getting into the the weeds on that, um, I got fired again from the same company, but by different people, because, um, there was a guy we found out later, uh, his MO was to take over distressed companies and then run them into the ground and buy them for the debt. And, um, oh, wow. when I came back, we took the affiliate program, from, um, doing about $175,000 a month up to about 600,000 in eight months. And it was the only profitable arm of the company. Our paid ads were losing money. Wow. Um, our strategic partnerships were losing money. Our email, you know, the email buys were losing money. Um, but the affiliate side was actually profiting. I think we were running about a 25% profit margin. So I know, we were making like 120, $125,000 a month. And that was a threat to him because, well, you can't, you can't distress a company. You can't drive a company into the ground if they have at least a semi-profitable division of the company. (laughs) Um, but that's not how he played it. He, he played it off a completely different way. And, uh, so in a matter of one day I was in a high level strategic meeting and we were planning the next, you know, quarter and all that. And the next day on a Saturday morning, it was like, yeah, you no longer work here. Um, (laughs) So that was kind of weird, but uh, wow. again, great thing that happened to me um, and is what set me on, on the course I've been on for the last decade or so, you know, with my own, with my own business. You know,
0: you've always had a great uh, attitude and and I can see that resilience coming through and those kind of things. I, I've lost a job uh, a time or two and in the moment, you know, man, sometimes it feels like the worst thing could ever happen. Looking back though, some of those circumstances were Career changing and yeah. uh, pivotal to who I am, who I am today. Now, I did want to go back to legacy learning because you went through something there that is still timely now. That a lot of people are struggling with the uh, disclosures and advertisement, and you guys were involved in something with the FTC. Uh, do you mind sharing a little bit about that?
1: No, I mean I, I had the uh, the wonderful pleasure of getting to spend two consecutive full days of my life with. Um, three uh FTC attorneys in a conference room along with a court reporter or whatever those are called stenographers or something um who every yeah. single time the bucket I said, list
0: item checked off.
1: Yeah. Uh it was super awesome because then when I got to read the nine thousand page transcript roughly, every single time I said paper click marketing, she put paperclip clip marketing. Um and <laughs> yeah they, they oh, knew no.
0: literally it gives you confidence in who's interviewing you, right?
1: They knew less than nothing about internet marketing. So the story behind that is um, we we had a relationship with Gibson Guitars. Uh, that the One of the guys on our team, you know, I, I ran the internet marketing department and he was on our team. Uh, he used to work at Gibson. He went to lunch one day and he was like, hey, could you guys do a, a review of our course and put it up on your website? And they're like, yeah, cool. We, I mean, yeah, it'd be great. Um, no affiliate relationship whatsoever. The only thing was, we did use a tracking link to um, just to know what sales were coming, you know. And yeah. one of our competitors, who um, he's probably from Kentucky, um, but I mean, like, I'm <laughs> not, not surprised exaggerating. At all. This guy was like, this guy was like, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this. This just makes me seem like petty. But this guy, like, I never once saw him where he wasn't like in a sleeveless shirt and he had a mullet and he was like a total metalhead. And he ran, they wouldn't even call him a competitor of our company because our audience was like 40 to 45 to 64 year old, like executives who had learned guitar in their bucket list. And his audience was like, you know, like 16 year olds who said, dude, every third word, you know, and yeah, so this, yeah. this dude, <laughs> he complains to the FTC <laughs> that Gibson was promoting us without, uh, without disclosing it. And we were like, well, they're not an affiliate. That's just a tracking link. So we know how many sales are coming from. we're like, we kind of thought that was the end of it, but they, they actually, you know, because for whatever reason, they had nothing better to do with their time. Uh, they investigated and found that shockingly, like a few of our affiliates who totaled like $13,000 in sales the year before weren't disclosing properly. Um, but it was right after their got, gu- you know, if you remember, this was 2010. They had just published yeah. their guidelines, which weren't new. They was, People say like, oh, the FTC passed a new law. No, the law had been in place for 112 years. Uh, they just clarified it for the Internet because like anything that the government does, uh, they waited until 2010, you know, roughly 20 years after the Internet came around to actually do anything yeah. about it, you know. And you could tell, like, there's a hint of like, wow, this was just an idiotic whole thing. Um, You know, I was originally named in the lawsuit, but they quickly dropped that because they realized I I actually, I mean, I had all the documentation of all the emails we had sent, like telling them, you need to do this. And if you don't, like we had documentation of affiliates that we found and warned and kicked out of the program. But that's what scared me, Matt, like
0: most when I read that, wasn't that, the company was named. It was the first time I'd ever seen an employee of a company named.
1: Yeah. Well, they quickly remembered um, I, I was, I was pulled off that within like days. Um, our, our attorney, you know, that guy was a bulldog. Um, he was just like, that's not going to fly. And he's like, he's like, I'll just be honest with you guys. If you, if you keep what he basically said was if you keep him on, then we're going to make a, we'll make a case out of this and we'll bear, you know, we'll, we'll bury you. Um, and you know yeah, the CEO wow. got taken off, but the company was left on. Um, and all of it predated me from a technical standpoint. Um, I came on after the FTC stuff. The the CEO had been running it, and you know, it wasn't that he didn't, it wasn't that he was an idiot or did anything nefarious, he just was busy because he's running a you know a seven million dollar company, yeah. Um, and also running the affiliate program. And so I came on and got all this stuff in place, but they did find some instances of people who didn't disclose properly in various channels. And to make an example of us, uh, I think it was, I mean, it was a pretty light slap on the wrist um, to what they could have done, but it was still, I thought it was a joke. I mean, it was like a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar fine and like something else. Uh, you know, of course they made sure that it made the the news because again, oh yeah, they're trying to make an example. And And, and what I tell people all the time is like, you have to keep in mind, there are, there are bad actors out there in affiliate world, in every world, there are people out there saying, you know, writing things, unsubstantiated claims about weight loss pills and things like that. I'm like, how about we focus on them? You know? Um, and I, I do believe that there is the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, you know? And I think there are, there are nuances to, you know, those two, you know, as my dad used to say, it's like, you know, um, you know, in, uh, You know, with regard to like the the letter of the law and the spirit of law, it's like, you know, if the speed limit changes from 55 to 45 and you're going 49, you know, two feet after the sign is the real, like, is the the letter of law says you're speeding, but the spirit of law is you were slowing down, you know, and for us, I think that the spirit of the law was that we did everything that we knew to do within reason And the company hired me, you know, the company was paying me, you know, a pretty substantial amount of money, uh, you know, but not, you know, I wasn't getting paid half a million dollars a year and I didn't have a team. There's two people on our team, you know, uh, on the affiliate team, me and a part-time, you know, virtual assistant. And I think we did everything within reason to make sure that the rules were being followed as best as we could. And f- they even acknowledged in the documentation that our top 44 affiliates were all in compliance. Mm-hmm. That the, the I think there was like five or four, or six or whatever, a very small number. The total amount of sales they made was the year before was like thirteen thousand um, dollars. This is out of a probably five million dollar affiliate program, seven million dollar company, five million dollars, thirteen thousand. was the total amount made by the quote unquote bad actors. Like, I don't think that the punishment fit the crime. And I, in fact, I really just think there should have been like, I don't know, is there a way to put us on probation where they're like, we're going to watch you like a Hawk. And if you screw up at all in the next year, then we'll do something like, I don't know.
0: Well, you know, they, they were definitely looking for something. I remember it did the trick because it scared the hell out of everybody else. Uh especially. Yeah, super when awesome. Saw... I'm
1: super excited about that for you. No, I mean here's the the positive. <laughs> you know, you talked about like the positive attitude. The positive yeah. side is I I honestly like I, I don't shy away from that. I mean, I tell that story a lot. Not not the full yeah. thing there, but I'm like, I've I've been sued by the FTC. I just leave it at that. You know, like I I know more about FTC compliance than probably any affiliate manager there is. And the very, oh, yeah. very simple reason for that is. Okay. You can look at this as a negative, And I do, I do joke about that, that it was probably two of the worst days of my life, but I actually got to learn a lot of the nuance and exactly what the F, like, I know how the FTC works. I know, I probably shouldn't say this. Like, I know how to make sure that it's not a problem, even if we technically aren't perfectly to the letter of the law. And what I mean by that is I actually know what they'll look for now. Yeah. And I know how to make sure that we cover our butts, even and like somebody else might do more and get they'll get they'll do a better job, they'll get caught. I'll do a worse job and not get caught because I know how they work. And 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 hopefully that makes sense. You know what I just said. The point to that is like. That ended up being a positive. And so when I work with our clients now, like I'm able to tell them definitively, here are the things we need to do to make sure we cover your butts. So that, cause I'll tell them like, you're, I'm not getting sued. You know, I know how to get off. Yeah. <laughs> like I know exactly what my attorney needs to say. If I ever get sued again, here's how you don't get sued. And, yeah. um, I think that's a, you know, that's the positive side to it. Yeah,
0: and we may do, because there are a lot of things we did from the fallout of that to make sure our clients don't uh, incur any issues. And, and in what the 11 years or so since then, uh, we've not personally had, uh, had any issues. So thank you for sharing that story. I, I, I have been involved in legal issues. Uh, the biggest one was about a $300,000 contract dispute with a large credit card affiliate. Uh, and I remember how stressful that was being, I was probably 26 at the time and just thinking the resolution of this issue determines whether I have employment or not uh, yeah. for maybe a long time. Uh, that had to be incredibly stressful, being interviewed by them and named by them and, and all of that. I can't imagine how difficult that period was. It was
1: really hard for me at the time. You, know, I mean, I was 20. I just, I think I just turned 30. I was 30. I was still kind of young you know, and a a little bit of a punk and it was really hard for me because they were, I mean, somebody who like you and I have this conversation, we could talk about affiliate management and affiliate marketing and like nerd out on it, but even like somebody who maybe doesn't know the affiliate world, but has like a basic understanding of internet marketing or just, you know, like how the internet works. Like they're yeah. not surprised that when they see things in their feed on Facebook that they've never seen before, they're not like, why are you in my feed? And I'm like, it's an ad, <laughs> you yeah. know, like do you not seriously, it's 2021. Have you not figured that out yet? <laughs> um, cause like we get those on our ad. Sometimes you're like, get out of my feed. And I'm like, I did, it's not like I said, target Tom Smith in Fargo, North Dakota, dude. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, like you just happen to be who Facebook picked, get over it. But yeah like they had no concept of how affiliate programs worked i'm like oh, how man. do you how can you how are you the one they picked to be in this room with me and you yeah. are like i mean like i'm one of them, like i looked him up i'm like you're a georgetown law grad and yet you don't even have the basic understanding of like how a search engine works yeah. You know, cause I remember one of the questions he, he asked me, it was just like, like so idiotic. And then, you know, he was like, well, okay. So you sent this email to your affiliates. Did you make sure that each of them received it? I'm like, <laughs> dude, it's a Matt, like it's a mass email, you know, uh, it shows me if they opened it, did it confirm that they read it? Did- I'm like, how oh, do you know how received. email works? <laughs> like, I can put a red rec- Like, I can click red if you want me to put a red receipt on it, which you I don't know what you really do that with mass emails back then. But, like, yeah, I, I can click a red. I'm like, first of all, who asked for a read receipt in ever? <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. maybe I get them kind of every of- once in a while
0: now, and it's just like, come on, really? Okay,
1: yeah. I mean, like, 1998, maybe we asked for that, but like, I'm, and I just remember going no. Um, because I know how to do email etiquette. And like, there were times where in my brain, so our attorney's sitting there with us, and I would like lean over to him. Like I said, I was like, uh, dude, I don't know how to answer this without being a smart (laughs) Alec. I have no concept of how to answer this without sarcasm. Please help me. And he's like, okay, can you explain it to me? Take the wheel. Yeah. And he's like, okay, explain it to me. And I'm like, you know, I'm explaining to him. He's like, okay, now say this, (laughs) you know, and I was just like, man. Um, so it was, it was hard. And I, and I, I know that kind of makes me sound like a punk because I, 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 there were a little bit of me was, but it was just, that was the frustrating part for me was just like, you were the wrong people to be in here. Just give, like, give me somebody who has the same legal knowledge, but actually understands how the internet works. I was, I was wondering if they were going to like, you know, I don't even know. I have, I just was so afraid they were going to ask me, like, you know, did we have a gerbil running our server or something like, <laughs> you know, how did you
0: power your server gerbils? Yeah,
1: it was just like, and then, you know, we had, we had switched over to share a sale. So we're on the network and they're like, you know, on the, you know, on this network, do you have access to all of their promotions? Like, I'm like, well, like, no we can't see everything they're doing. That's literally impossible, but we can tell where their clicks come from and where their sales were generated from. And we do review that. Um, you know, and we do have a form that they submit that has the, you know, the, their, their disclosure and like, well, did you review it? And I'm like, yes, you know, I did at the time, but no, I don't review to see if they have a disclosure every single day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's what we learned was like, if you have those records and then they change something, you're not responsible and things like that. And that's probably the
0: biggest thing that we do is maintaining those records of of what we find spot checking and, and keeping those active. It seems to be one of the big things. The the
1: good news, I will say this is that when we, we convinced them that we only had to audit our top 50. Um, you know, that was like the punishment was we had to maintain an, like a, quarterly audit or an every six months audit of our, of our top 50. And I was like, okay, at least they were reasonable in that. Because if they said every affiliate, then we're just going to have to get rid of, you know, a lot of affiliates. And I don't believe in that. You know, I, I literally, before we did this, like right before we went, we went live with this interview, I was on a Facebook live talking about how affiliate programs should work with small affiliates and the value of that and how, you know, the industry is shifting and, um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that like that incestuous, you know, like you promote me, I'll promote you. And we're only going to work with like top, you know, five or 10 affiliates. Um, you know, that that's going by the wayside now and we've been preaching that for a decade and now kind of the industry started to, to see it. So,
0: and we still get questions of like, Hey, when are we going to remove affiliates? you know, when are we going to take them out? And, and we don't believe in that either. There's always good. Coworkers.
1: Yeah. There's no reason to take affiliates out.
0: Totally. No, no reason at all. Yeah. Now, Matt, tell me what you're doing now. Let's go, let's go into the present into, to what's going on. I know you really have a passion, you know, for helping people take their passion and turning that into a living. Tell me, tell me about Matt McWilliams Consulting.
1: Uh, yeah, it's all about that. I mean, we, we kind of talked about this earlier. We were talking about COVID. Um, you know, there, there's just, there's so many people out there, they, they have a message, they have a passion and they want to turn it into, you know, some sort of a profitable business. And it just so happens that, you know, affiliate marketing isn't being kind of the, the avenue um, for that. You know, it ends up being the um, you know, the way that they make, uh, they, they turn their passion into profit. You know, I'm literally writing a book right now, uh, be out like a year probably after this interviews or after this interview goes live called the passion to profit path. And one of the things I talk about in there is like, you know, when we work with our students and clients, we typically see kind of these two very polar opposite entrepreneurs, Jamie. Uh, the first type is like, they're super, um, you know, they're super successful. Their business is going great. Uh, they're making good money but they hate their work. And then the flip side, the complete opposite is uh, they love what their work, you know, they love what they're doing for work, right? Uh, They wake up every morning and they're like, yeah, you know, this is going to be so much fun. I love, I'm changing the world, but they're not making any money. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're making great money, if you hate your work and it doesn't matter if you love your work, but you're not making any money or actually losing it. In some cases, regardless of which extreme you fall into, you give up. You know, you quit and the world misses out on your message. And so we find that those are like the two extremes. So how do we end up with entrepreneur type number three, where they're actually passionate about their work and they make money. The issue is if you're anything like I was when I first started my platform, um, like, yay, I'm, I, I love what I'm doing. I'm, I'm super passionate, but how do I make money? How do I monetize? I don't know what my audience wants. What price point are they going to buy it? How do I sell? I don't know how to write sales copy. How do you do a promotion? What's the, you know, like all of these things. And we're like, well, wait. So we teach affiliate marketing from a very different angle, which is what if you use affiliate yeah, yeah. marketing as the springboard to learn how to monetize? What if you use uh, affiliate marketing? Like you can literally start making money today. Like there's no barrier to entry. It's easy to scale. You don't have to do any fulfillment, right? There's no hidden costs like credit card processing or hosting and all that. There's no risk. Like you don't have to do the customer service, right? But it also, it teaches you how to sell and it proves that you can sell. You learn what works for your audience. It trains your audience to buy. So instead of just, you know, your audience going along getting free free content, free content, free content, free content, free content, which is a terrible business model, by the way um, you're actually training them to expect offers to be made periodically. You know, it funds your business and a lot of it can be passive income. You start to develop relationships with other affiliates, you know, which turns, you know, them into potential partners. Um, you know, all those benefits, like nobody really talks about with affiliate marketing because it's like a lot of times it's just, well, you can make a lot of money. You know, uh, it serves your audience. That's the other one. Like it serves your audience because if you have, nothing to take them to the next level and you're not creating it, like how are you going to serve them? And so it serves your audience. And so it just allows you as the the platform builder, right. To be able to um, start to monetize and set those expectations with your audience. Even if you don't have a product of your own, because I I've got a shelf full of crap that I like my audience will love this and they didn't because I was guessing at what my audience was going to love. You know, we hear the stories. Um, you know, we hear the stories of like, well, my husband filled the garage with boxes and now I haven't been able to use my garage for the last three years. It's like, no, yeah, yeah. what you needed to do was promote affiliate offers and learn what your audience wants and learn how to sell and learn you know, those things um, before you actually went out and started creating your own products. And so you learn the price points that they'll buy at. You'll learn like some of the sequencing of, of emails and how to, you know, how to actually sell in email and, and online and all those things that you just, you can't learn any other way. And so I always look at it as you get paid to practice. And that's what we, you know, that's what we teach people. If a better way comes along, that's not affiliate marketing. Uh, I'll be the first to, to advocate for it. But right now, I don't think there's anything better.
0: So you, you are teaching uh, up-and-coming affiliates how to, use, uh, how to use these affiliate programs as a springboard. And that springboard is to create something of their own or do they continue to promote affiliate offers? What's the springboard to?
1: Ultimately, it's to create your own products and services, but continue to use affiliate marketing For things like, you know, serving your audience, filling in the gaps, you know, it fills in the gaps in your own, you know, your own offerings. Um, You know, the example I often use, like imagine you're a, you know, you're a fitness trainer and you're great at teaching people how to eat right, exercise, you know, do all that. And you've got products that are, they're all about eating right and exercise, but your audience needs to learn things like time management and stress relief and goal setting, productivity, natural healing and all that. Like you're not the expert on those things, right? You don't want to be the expert on those. And you have no plans on creating a product in those areas. So how do you serve your audience? You promote affiliate offers for those who offer courses in those areas. And so it also broadens your reach. You know, it allows you um, in those different areas, you know, kind of what we call it the affiliate donut. And so the affiliate donut, Jamie, is like, if you imagine a donut, that hole in the middle, that is your core thing. That is like the very one thing that you are known for. You are the fitness instructor. That is all you do is teach people how to eat right and exercise. But that donut is everything outside of there. You know, if you're a financial coach, right, that would be thing like you teach investing and saving. Those are the only two things you teach. But what about leadership or entrepreneurship, how to find work that they love, productivity, goal setting, right? You know, things like that. Like if you think about this, the cool thing about it is like if people become more productive, they have more time to exercise and eat right. So it actually benefits your business. If you're the fitness trainer, yeah. people who are better at setting goals will seek out financial coaching to help them reach those goals. In other words, like affiliate recommendations can actually help your sales, not hurt them. And that's a misconception is like, well, if I go promote affiliate offers, not my own stuff, that's going to hurt me. No, it can actually work, you know, to, uh, to really help your audience. And like I said, it serves them You know, by filling in those gaps in the products that you don't have. Because like, if you come to me and you say, Matt, you teach me affiliate marketing, but how do I start a membership site? Uh, I'm not the expert on that. So let me just refer you to my friend and client, Stu McLaren, and you'll go pay him $2,000 and I'll make an $800 commission. And win-win, you now are getting expert advice from the world's leading expert on how to create recurring revenue in your business. And I served you by sending you to him. That's how, that's really all it, you know, if you break down affiliate marketing to its core, that's all it is, is like, how do I serve you better by recommending other people's products and services?
0: Yeah, that's, that was perfect. You know, it's all, you and I both come from, I think from the same perspective, it's all about the audience. Who is your audience? What do they want? What do they expect from you? And then how you how can you serve them? And if you serve it through an affiliate link and a, uh, a recommendation, fantastic. If you serve it through your own product, then fantastic. Yep, that's awesome. Now you use uh, a couple of things in managing your programs. I remember one time we were talking about competitions and leaderboards. Uh, you mentioned a mastermind that you did not too far from my house, not too long ago. What are some of the key things that you teach uh, in order for people to? Uh, to increase their revenue through their affiliates?
1: Um, you know, number one is kind of like, we just, you know, we just talked, sorry, sorry, I got totally distracted, Jamie, because my son is outside my, my office window, like knocking, like waving and yeah. <laughs> um well <laughs> tell him we all said hi. He's so cute. Okay, where were we? <laughs> I just totally and you can totally leave this in. I have like just totally. Oh, I think I out. will. I think well I'm see, I've been be waiting for my about. dog I to bark.
0: So Basically, you know, some of the things we talked about and some of the things I've seen you do are competitions and leaderboards with your affiliates, um, using Facebook, uh, you know, to manage uh, and communicate. Uh, And also you've done some masterminds not too far from where I live uh, here in the same town you had one. So what are the things that you use and you teach people to manage their affiliates well, uh, increase the revenue through, keep things exciting and, and productive?
1: You know, we teach what we, we call the three C's. Um, and you know, that's a, it's like a whole thing that would be like a podcast episode in and of itself, but, uh, it's contest communication and coaching. And so, um, uh, contests were really focused on not just engaging our top affiliates, but how do we engage all of our affiliates? Like even down to the smallest. So, you know, just one example of that, like doing really deep leaderboards you know, instead of just showing the top 10, we do like a top 50, you know, a top 30. And because people love seeing their name, right. You know, um, yeah. you know, we do random contests where it's like, okay, every affiliate who sends more than 25 leads this month is entered to win. So you could be like the top, virtually the smallest affiliate and you can be entered to win. If you have one sale this week, you're entered to win, you know, things like that. Right. Um, sometimes we'll just do competitions where it's like, okay, Put us on your email list. Every email you send this week is an entry to wind. And so we've had affiliates send, you know, 10, 12 emails in a week, as opposed to the one or two wow. they were probably planning on sending. So that's contest. Communication just means like, I think there's an under, uh, most affiliate programs vastly under communicate. And so we talk about like, especially if you're leading up to like a big product launch, uh, one of the biggest mistakes we see is like people be like, oh, hey, our launch is in 45 days like where you've been for the last, um, let me think 320 days. Like you just like, I didn't exist. You know, you just whatever. So we talk about things like doing, you know, behind the scenes access, like making them a part of uh, maybe the launch creation and things like that. Giving them, we don't call them promo plans. We call them commitment plans because we actually found that we got about 15% lift when we call them commitment plans, because people don't want a promo plan. They want something to commit to. You know, we talk about, like sharing stories and testimonials and, you know, asking for referrals, breaking up things and sending physical mail. You know, like one of the things we do and feel free to steal this. We send what we call a fake book check. Um, The fake book check is a thing that looks like it's an actual check in the mail. And literally all it is, is it's a, it's for a thousand dollars. And we say, Hey, here's a thousand dollar advance on your commissions. If you will take this money and run Facebook ads, then, you know, here you go. All you gotta do is let us know. And we don't we don't send that to everybody. Of course, we send it to the ones yeah, we know yeah, we're gonna yeah. make more than a thousand dollars. But you know, so that's that's the the communication side. And then lastly is the coaching, you know, teach your affiliates, share best strategies, share what's working with, you know, for other affiliates, train them. Sometimes if it's a, if it's a launch or a promotion, you know, like a big promotion, just walking them through the calendar, doing a quick 30-minute Zoom training and sending the replay where you're teaching them like. Hey, you should send this email on this day, this email on this day, this email on this day, send two emails on this day. Like you don't even have to like teach them high level strategy, like how to close sales or how to get more opt-ins or how to put together a bonus package. Like you can teach them all those things. That's super grateful, but if it's super awesome, cause it'll move the needle, but sometimes just walking through the calendar with them, um, you know, can be effective. And so that's the three C's, the, you know, contest communications and coachings. That's really the kind of the pillars. Um, it's, it's pretty much everything in our company. You know, that's, that's the basis of everything we do is those three things.
0: That's uh, that's fantastic. I love both of those examples they are easier, easy to hold onto and easy to understand. And, and we've done a lot of those. We've done some crazy contests uh, over the years um, and found those to be, be quite effective. Um, now the a large portion of what you do is for digital products, right? And do you think all these tactics in, in your experience, do they, they, uh, also do really well with physical goods?
1: Absolutely. Um, with physical goods, we, we really like to make sure that we focus, you know, you have a cost of goods. Uh, a lot of times the cost of goods can be high. It can be 50 to 75% of the price. Um, so you gotta mm-hmm. be careful with things. And so we focus more on what we call incremental prizes, which is like, Hey, if you make a hundred sales you get this, not if you're our top affiliate, yeah. you get this. Um, but I mean, these are, these are like basic principles. You know, like it, they work in digital products. They work in retail products. Uh, they work in physical. They work in leads. They work in services, coaching. Um, I mean, we've run affiliate programs. We've worked with, you know, Shutterfly. That's, you know, retail physical product. We've worked with, you know, we yeah. said legacy learning. I've worked in the insurance leads. I've worked with financial companies. We've worked with other major retailers that I'm not at liberty to say right on up to some of the OGs and like the online marketing space. We've worked with coaching programs. We've worked with programs where they sell live events. I mean, I can't think of like a niche or a or a, like a broad level, you know, type of product that we haven't worked with. And the principles are the principles. They work for all of them. Sure. Do we tweak them a little bit? Are there some nuances every now and again that we apply to say, um, you know, a big, you know, a $10 million affiliate program versus a, you know, $700,000 affiliate program. Of course. Are there some nuances in the lead generation world, like financial leads, where we have to worry about things like lead quality more so than in, you know, digital course world? Yeah. There's, there's some nuances like that, but, um, 90% Seven percent of our playbook is uh, transferable between every conceivable niche, every conceivable product type, every conceivable price point in size of affiliate program.
0: Awesome. Well, Matt, we are over time and you have given us <laughs> so much as I... <laughs> <laughs> I, and I am sorry about that okay. now. I thank you so much. You know, the, how how can people find you if they want to learn more, if they want to uh, develop their side hustle, where should they go?
1: Yeah. So I, I would point people to two places. Like if you're, if you're kind of in that place where you're like, I want to get into affiliate marketing. I'm just not really sure how to get started started. Um, I would go to mattmcwilliams.com forward slash quick start. And um, go there. It's got, it's our quick start guide to affiliate marketing. Um, And if you're in a place where you're like, I, you know, I kind of need to have a basic understanding of, you know, how to find some affiliates. Like, you know, these would be people, you know, Jamie, like they're, they're not ready to work with you, like they need to just see proof of concept and then they'll see how hard it is and be like, hey, can Jamie, can you run my affiliate program? It's already doing like yeah. $200,000 a month, you know? <laughs> like, but if you're like where I was, yeah, yeah. okay, I'll tell you what, this is where I wish I said earlier, Memorial Day 2005, when I was like making all of this up and figuring all this up for myself and had no clue what I was doing. If I had just had a Matt forward slash first 100, that's F I R S T 100. If I'd had that, oh my gosh. I like, I said, we did a million dollars in eight, you know, in our 18th month, I would have been doing a million dollars in month, like seven, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. instead of like that first month where I was, what would we call it? Floating the money. Float. yeah. <laughs> like, where I'm like, oh man, I really need, aff- I really need our affiliates to make $500 in sales tomorrow, or I can't pay any of them. Um, like if you want to avoid that, uh, go to go there and we'll, we'll show you how to kind of get those first 100 affiliates, get your affiliate program started. Uh, just to be clear, that guide is not the, how do you create a million dollar affiliate, you know, or a million dollar a month affiliate program. It's how do you just get started? How do you get proof of concept? How do you get your first hundred? How do you get your first, you know, couple thousand dollars coming in so you can see that this is a viable option for your business.
0: Outstanding. Well, Matt, thank you again. I enjoy every conversation since the very first one, just a few weeks before you trounced me in that award. Uh everyone since, uh, and I really I appreciate about your time. That, for
1: the record, too, you reminded me. So, thank you for reminding me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no problem. Well, congrats again. You know, a decade later, uh, but thank you for today, man. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and, and uh, we'll include a lot of this stuff in the show notes.
1: Thanks, buddy. All right.
0: See ya. Wow, what a podcast, hour and 10 minutes, great stuff. Matt, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You always have a tremendous amount of knowledge and experience and it's always fun uh, to chat with you. For our listeners, you know, wanna make sure you go to mattmcwilliams.com slash quickstart, mattmcwilliams.com slash first 100. Those are gonna give you a whole lot of resources, but you know, really wanna talk about some of the things that really spoke to me. And the first one was, you know, if I'm an affiliate, what would I want? And that's so often overlooked when people, when advertisers are planning promotions, they're planning their affiliate program, they're planning creative, and they're trying to increase their revenue. Often what is lost is, well, what does the affiliate want? This is a different space. So if you don't ask that question, you often will send out tone deaf emails, not addressing what affiliates really, really want. The other thing that's a thread through some of our uh, past podcast guests as well is Matt stating he's not, he wasn't an elite affiliate manager until he had been an affiliate for a number of years. So having that expertise helps so dramatically in managing affiliate programs. The three C's, something so important to remember, contest communication and coaching, and then that affiliate donut. The three C's really important to the affiliate manager. Are you, are you doing things to incentivize your affiliates to uh, be profitable? Are you communicating? And I agree with Matt, most programs, especially ones that JEB Commerce takes over, communication has been completely nothing. So that is huge to it. And then coaching, affiliates want to know how they can earn more. And since the affiliate manager has access to thousands of affiliates and an agency like ours has access to hundreds of thousands of affiliates, There's a lot of knowledge and data that that can be passed down. So yeah, so so much there. Want you guys to definitely check out those resources, mattmcwilliams.com slash quickstart, mattmcwilliams uh, slash first 100. Definitely reach out. Matt, thank you so much again. And don't forget about our free resource, at jbcommerce.com slash incremental. And that is a benchmarking tool, ask you questions in seven different areas of your affiliate program to give you a full evaluation of how likely are, is your program really generating incremental revenue. So just go to jbcommerce.com slash incremental to get access to that. And just like always, since the beginning of the pandemic, i set aside time for any of you for anything you need help with you can go to jamie birch or you can go to calendly.com jamie birch and you can set up time with me at any time we can talk about incrementality we can talk about contests with your affiliates we can talk about recruiting and we can talk profitability any of those things and other things you need help with just go set time up if you just want to send an email and get some help over email please feel free to do that get help at jbcommerce.com send that uh send your request over and we'll do everything we can to help you so i hope you hope you guys have a great day and you're well on your way to running a profitable performance marketing program